Yes, hello everyone, and welcome back to the None But the Brave podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. And Flynn, we got a good one this month. The archive series kicking it up a notch from last month, 627 2000. One of my favorite shows of the reunion tour. We've talked about it before. You wrote the Backstreet's review. What did you think about it? Well, just read my Backstreet's review. <laughs> oh, sure. Send people to another source. That's great. <laughs> no, I, I really love it. Um, really, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. I think the sentimentality I, that I have for the last night makes that my favorite show, but this one is easily number two. I even, uh, at the time, I think it might have been edged out 7-1 just a little bit, but it was a tremendous show. Um, Adam raised the cane. Can't, can't speak enough of it. Just amazing. Um, back in your arms. There was My only complaint is that he didn't do any kind of intro like he did at other shows about, did you ever blow a good thing? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but it is really, really good. But they nailed it. And as I wrote, and as I wrote in my review for for Backstreet, I think this is the best performance, technical and otherwise, of of loose ends that the East Street Band has ever done. This was just a big show from the moment it started till the moment it finished. You mentioned Adam raised the cane, and back in 2000, even more so than today, I never was a huge fan of Adam. I, I, it's, I've warmed to it in later years, but in 2000, I, I really was like, that's not something I necessarily want to hear. And I remember that night, the version of the song, I, he stormed through the solo, mm-hmm. and it was, I, it was just electrifying. And oh, yeah. That really set the tone for the evening, and and, and Trapped was great, and uh, you listen to that Blinded by the Light, it's so much fun. <laughs> and, you know, let's give Al Schiller some props here. We we do it often, and he deserves it here. This is a stellar mix. Well, it's funny, okay, you're going to mention, you mentioned Adam Raised the Cane, you mentioned giving the props to Al Schiller. I have one little complaint, and this is really minor, and oh, that I, is wish, I wish the guitar was higher on Adam. Uh, I just feel like at the beginning of the song with the int- the guitar intro, I think should have been just a little bit louder, and maybe the if if his solo in the middle of the song was just a little bit more prominent. But then it, I I understand it might also overpower the rest of the song, the rest of the music around it. So I could it, you know I don't have uh, I don't have many many complaints, but this and this is a very minor one, but it's one. See, it's hard for me to separate even being there on the night and listening to it. And, it. and it's one of those interesting things because you wonder 21 years later, am I going to listen to it and go, oh, yeah, I was right. This really was a phenomenal show because and you know this at the time, I thought it was better than 7-1. I actually still believe that today. <laughs> this was it, it was as good a show as you could hope for at that time. And, and the only one that I saw better in 2000, it was May 8th in Hartford. And we're going to talk about that one a little bit later. Right. Well, I have, I have, I've worked with this show. I actually did an IEM audience mix right. of it uh, a few years ago. So it wasn't a total surprise. And I, and I re-listened to that mix uh, as, as I was prepping to, to, to write my, my, write my review for Backstreet. So, I knew all along it was one of the better shows of one of the best shows of uh, of that of that MSG run, if, if not the second best. 
And you're right, the band was at a very high level, all like basically May and June. Yeah, we've they talked were, about this. We have. And, yeah. you know, and, and as I wrote in my, also wrote in the Backstreet's Review, I think people forget that between the American skin controversy, the media firestorm, and then the, as I said earlier, the sentimentality of The Last Night and Blood Brothers, that there were, in between, there were a hell of, they were eight tremendous shows between the first night and the last night. And they, they get overlooked, and I'm hoping that with this release that some of the some of the middle ones get their due. Yeah, this was really a magnificent time in the history of the E Street Band, and they were all there and healthy, and <laughs> it, it was and it was a great time for us getting on the N and the R and heading up to the Garden for those nights. Very memorable for me, and 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 the minute I put the show on, and especially when we got to light a day, and it goes into. Uh, C.C. Ryder, there was such an explosion in the building when that happened, and it just took me right back there. So just a, a really well done. <laughs> yes, it was one of the one of the better releases of, of the last of the last couple of years. So um, I know this one's going to going to be on repeat for a while. Bruce also gave us some other goodies. We got episode four of Renegades, his podcast with President Barack Obama. And I got to say, this one could have the subtitle, Bruce and Barack make a run for it. (laughs) Because they got into Bruce's classic Corvette and Bruce said to Obama, should we leave the farm? And it sounded like the Secret Service was not in favor of that. I can imagine. Makes their job a lot harder. (laughs) And then Bruce was really encouraging the president to really rev that thing up and, and open it up when they went for the ride, which I assume they, they stayed on the farm. So it was an enjoyable listen, and, and it was my favorite of the episode so far. Why is that? I just enjoyed hearing them banter about their youth and talking about how they started the drive. And, of course, as I said with the last episode, the fans like us who are – taking everything that Bruce says in over the course of the last number of years, if not his career, some of this stuff isn't new, but you can tell it's, it's new in some ways for Obama and they're enjoying talking about it. And it's just a good listen. It, it's, you know, like, like I, I just think it's two guys talking and about stuff they like talking about and, and they're having a good time with it, which should hit home for us. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's because true. Isn't that yeah. what we're doing? That's exactly what we're doing. And uh, I just got to make time for that. Uh, we, we need to listen, uh, but it just seems like uh, there's never time. And I, I can't listen to a podcast while I'm working. So that just, so which is when I will listen to music. Have you ever actually listened to a podcast other than our podcast yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I guess I don't have the attention span, and I or I just want to just want to listen to music. What can I say? I'm sorry. I apologize to all my other, all of my other podcasting peeps, but uh, I still haven't gotten into the whole into, into the uh, into the format. That's great. That's just great. <laughs> yes, Alan. We record one, and I never listen to any others. All right. Well, let's talk about from my home to yours, which we also got a new one this week. I only heard about half of it so far. Again, the same problem. Just the man is releasing too much stuff to to take in all at one time. That's true. I, I was able to I was able to listen at, while working because uh, it was mostly music, and 
I could, so I could I could stop for the stop for the talk set. So so that was cool. And but he talked about a lot of his uh, again more music, more of his favorites. He always he always has uh, he always has those favorites. And uh, of course he played uh, where the bands are. And I heard that. And let and letter to you. And my favorite part was MC Five uh, check out the jams where he just happened to drop a, a certain mofo word, which I thought was great. <laughs> that was okay, worth well. it right there. <laughs> I'll have to go back and hear that. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it aired right around ten thirty in the morning. So I was. I hope uh, any hope the parents out there who had their children maybe with them while listening uh, got a little heads up or something. I don't know. I feel bad for them. Oh, we know Bruce is going to let some cursing go every now and then. So people should be used to it if they're listening to him. Yeah, but not at ten thirty in the morning. That's true. <laughs> On the radio. <laughs> well, I'm here with 7.30 in the morning. Oh, well, yeah. During during drive time. That's okay. always fun. And now let's get to our main topic <laughs> without further ado, because we know people are waiting for us to get to this. And we did hear a lot of feedback from the first part of this discussion. And, of course, I'm talking about the future of the Bruce Springsteen archive series and we left off with 1988, the Tunnel and Amnesty Tours, and, and now we're going to go forward in time to pretty much the present day. 92-93, what, what's your take on 92-93? Well, for me, the 92-93 release needs to have as many songs from those two albums as possible. Uh, there is literally no need for them to release a song, or a show rather, that's going to be heavy on E3 classic stuff. Because, well, for a number of reasons, though, I mean, first off, those other songs have been done with the E Street Band on numerous locations. Now they've been released on numerous on numerous occasions. And if you if you're going to want to pull out or prove it, you're not going to 92. No. I mean, that's just that's just the truth. Um, and so to that end, I there are two shows I kind of zeroed in on. And, and I don't know if they if they have releases, if they have re- multi-track recordings for these, but. If they do, these would be my suggestions. The first one is December 13th, 1992 from Boston Garden. There were 16 songs uh, from the two new albums played that night, including what I call the big three, which is Real World, Glorious Eyes, and Soul Driver. Because we don't have have any live releases of Glorious Eyes or the band version of Real World. And... We, we don't have a version of Soul Driver from that tour either. Soul Driver is a very, very key one. Now, it actually wasn't played at the show I'm going to bring up, which was July 23rd, 1992, the show before the archive release that's already come out from the Meadowlands. And I, we have to assume if they have night two from the Meadowlands, they definitely have night one. There's just no way that first night wasn't recorded. And that was a very interesting night because, and Bruce, I believe he wrote about this in Born to Run. It's been spoken about in other places as well. He was really nervous. He was coming back to Jersey without the E Street Band for the first time. And when he took the stage, there was an electricity in that venue that really was certainly rare for 1992. I don't think it felt that way for the other 10 shows at the Meadowlands, but that first night it was crackling and it was a great show and it did include Real World, the only show at the Meadowlands to include Real World. It included the only American performance ever of With Every Wish. And And the last one ever. Yeah, and the last one ever. And it also included the Dancing in the Dark solo electric, which is a very key moment and just, 
there is something about that version that is really quite different from the other versions we have, and it, it, it should be released. So if they have that show, I, I would definitely release it. It's, it captures a moment in time, and it, to me, that that's a big one. Of course, another one we're going to bring up from this tour is, is the Basie rehearsal show, but we just don't know if they have it. Right. Well, getting back to the opening night in, uh, of the Meadowlands, Stan, I, yeah, that would get my wholehearted endorsement as well. The only, I feel like the only drawback to me is that it, it doesn't include Human Touch and Gloria's Eyes, which, which was very surprising at the time, at least for Human Touch, because it was it was a, it was, it was a actually yeah. a hit at the time. Um, and then the other one that I would have gone with, or would go with, or would suggest going with, is the actually the first night in Philadelphia. Which from December seventh, not the not the not the August one. Um, even though I just said, you know, no reason to listen to approve it all night with the ninety two band. We can have E Street, but it's it's in this show, so you kind of you can throw a bone to the uh, to the to the give them what they want crowd. But it's got the, it's got all the others. It's got Glory's Eyes. It's got Real World, Human Touch, My Beautiful Reward. Even has Santa in there. So, but again, let's let's go heavy on ninety two and. Then, I and yeah, as I said, I agree with you on the opening night. You know, you get you get the, those other two. You get with every wish. You get real world and dancing in the dark is a very key track from from that part of the tour. Yeah. And I think they will need to release something from Europe '93 because that was a very different part of the tour where he was opening with the three acoustic songs. The, the show had a different structure. And if they don't have the Basie, then they definitely should release a show from Europe because the Basie was sort of set up that template for the the following months. The Basie show, you and I have argued this before, that is a very important show in terms of setting up the following years for Bruce. A lot of the stuff that he started experimenting with at the Basie, the acoustics, uh, the, this hard land coming out of nowhere. I mean, I was with your wife at that show, and, and <laughs> I'll never. Uh, it, 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 when he played this hard land, that was unthinkable. You know, today, right. and we we've said this before. Today, he plays so many rarities, and and stuff is coming from all over the place. It, it it's hard to understand how in 1993 the performance of an outtake like this hard land was. You would have never expected that in a million years. It was just no. an impossibility, but yet no. it happened. And and that entire show, the the achy breaky heart. So if they have that one, they really should release it. Yeah, he, and, again, if it's a two track, whatever, just get it out there. No, I agree a hundred percent. And the the unfortunate part is that none of the audience source recordings of that one go anywhere near doing that show justice. And so. A two-track would be a tremendous upgrade over what we have. Oh, and I yeah. agree with, agree with that 100 percent. Now, the th- of course, the thing about Europe though is that those shows, as you said, it has the acoustic opener and the three-song acoustic opener so opening set. But those are all so similar to the to the '93 Meadowlands show that they did release. I, they, I, I know, but okay. if, if you take a look at like Sheffield or something like that, maybe I think there's enough distinction in there to make it worthwhile. Uh, what's your sense? What do they have from '92, '93, and and when are we going to get another release? Because it's been a while. I, yeah, what they have, I'm not really sure. Obviously, they have they have several Meadowlands shows, or I'm sure they they do. I can't imagine they just have the one that they released. Uh, I would like to think they did some recording, you know, later in the tour when when the band was playing well and 
when the new material was all was gelling. Maybe, maybe that maybe they do have that Philly show. Um, but I and then I don't have I don't have any idea what they would have from '93. I don't. You know, oh wait a minute, they do have the Lost Radio Show. Do you remember that Uber release from right, like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if that was really done, if that was truly going to be released as at least on a television special, then they they have it. They have the multi track from was that right. Stockholm and and uh, 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 Keynes. What is it? Uh, uh, the five twenty something show. Milton Keynes. That's it. Yeah, Milton right. Keynes. Milton Keynes Bowl. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that that would work well. I mean, uh, and certainly stuff like Viva Las Vegas would be really cool to hear. Yes, it would. And of course, again, that was it, also at, also the at the Basie benefit. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was so uh, you talk about that was such a wild night. Just to capture Bruce doing the Yankee breaky heart. Uh, that and there's so much more than that in that show, but that alone makes it worthwhile. Yes, yes, it does. And the, the acoustic Janie to close that. Uh, I, yeah, it's hard to get a real feel of that one from the from the audience tapes that we have. So. Yeah, something would be that something better would be mo- most welcomed. Now, in the summer of '94 and into '95, as you and I dedicated a whole episode to, he did a huge amount of guest appearances and strange sort of things. And then they also did the Sony Studios. We don't expect any of those are ever going to be released. They don't seem to be looking in that direction for the archive series. But there's some stuff in there that if they ever had the inclination to do it, I think it would be fun to get out if they have it. Well, but the, the difference is, is that I guess, except for the Sony studios thing, it's none of them are really Bruce's shows. He was That's always true. guessing. He was guessing with Kruszecki, uh with Joe Ely, um, the guys at the playpen in October of 94. Mars, so it's not course. like, it's not like what? Mars. Right. Well, I said guessing with Joker Shacky. Yeah. So that covers Mars and trade wins. Um, so it's, you know, it's not like it's a Bruce show. And I kind of doubt they have much, any multi-tracks there. But, you know, if we want to talk about wild cards, we, there are a couple later in the decade that I would, or I guess in the, in the next decade that I would throw in there. But we'll get to that. All right. Well, we'll get to that. Now, next up was, of course, after 92, 93, Bruce came back. In his troubadour guys on the Joe tour, <laughs> and we did talk about this pretty extensively in the last episode, sort of out of sequence because the archive release for February was from the Joe tour. And, you know, the comments I made in the last episode stand here. I, I think we need a show from the fall of 95 and we know they at least have the tower shows. Yes. And and I would imagine they have the beacon or at least one of the beacon shows. And then we very much need a show from the fall of 96. I think, as I said last time, it's a glaring omission that on the Joe tour that they don't have any of these shows uh, from the U.S., especially the fall of 96, where he was sort of playing the cradle of, of the stories that he was telling. And whether it's Youngstown, whether it's it, it, there are a couple of shows, I think, that were in Michigan. Of course, there was Fresno, which I spoke about last time. Even San Diego. Even San, yes, I did. Even San, <laughs> even San Diego, which of course, Bal, which is where Balboa Park is, get one of those shows out from the the circumstance where these stories took place. I, I think the shows were very, very engrossing because of that. There, and nobody's going to argue against the release of Freeholder Asbury. Those uh, those are amazing, amazing shows. But if you're going to cover the whole tour, I do think you need to get those types of shows out there. Well, I think you can just uh, say it 
succinctly and just by we need a normal U.S. JoJo to be released, uh, whether it's fall of 95 or the, or the fall of 96. We need something that 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 stays true to the Joad concept, as you would say. Now, I remember reading in Backstreet's magazine, maybe like 17 years ago, that they actually did a film. Uh, they they brought I, I forget the name of the filmmaker who came in and they shot a bunch of those shows and I think it was that stretch in October of '96 that that you're such a big fan of um, that they they put a, they put a film together they just haven't released it of course so I'm hoping that because there's an actual film they they would have done the right soundtrack. Oh, I don't think there's any question. San Diego is one of the shows you're referring to. I don't remember that in Fresno, but San Diego, there were signs up all over the place that the show was being filmed. And by entering, you were giving your assent to potentially appearing in the film. Okay, and that would definitely check off your, your one of your boxes with the uh, with the Tom Joad, the Woody Guthrie's Tom Joad instead of the ghost of Tom Joad from yes. Bruce. So, so I will. Yeah, I would like to think they they recorded more than one, so they have hopefully they have they have some choices. But you're right, we need a we need a straight Joe show from from the U.S. You know, going back to Philly, one of the one of the benefits of the of either Philly show from '95 is that the entire album was performed at both nights, so you get the whole thing right there. Yeah, I would agree with you. To have a show with the whole record would be important from this tour. He obviously this is a tour where he stuck with the record from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Yes, and but new timers seem to have disappeared, or at least became became relatively infrequent. So it, it would be great to have a recording of that. Yeah, and then of course the other show that they're going to have to release from this tour, and we know it's going to be released unless there's a problem with the tape, which I think <laughs> is unlikely, is the third night in Asbury, which is a legendary night. It was actually kind of surprising they went with the first night, also a worthy choice. But just based on how they picked the shows so far, you you would have guessed that the first Asbury release would have been the third night, and I, I don't think there's any question they're going to release that at some point. No, I, you're you're right. It's good. It's got to come out, and it was a surprise to me when they went with the first night as well. But you know, I was at the first night, not not at the third, so I'll take it. <laughs> attendance bias you know even even i have it sometimes the whole stand was was phenomenal but that third night the sort of acoustic band that he had in the encores was was really and that was a one-time thing so Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons in the archive series and and that's as i said it's a legendary night uh, one of the best nights i've experienced on the shore but that's what you want to capture in the series and and there's no question they're going to release it. It's just a matter of time. Well, I, from what I can tell, and I think it's going to keep going for a while. So, so all these key shows uh, will eventually come out as long as they have recordings of them. Well, fingers crossed. And again, eleven twenty six ninety six is I would bet heavy money they have it. Yes. Uh, well, if they have the if they have the twenty fourth, you can bet they have the twenty sixth. So unless there was a malfunction. Hello, yeah. Rising Tour. Anyway, yes. go on. Huh? Well, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Don't <laughs> skip the reunion tour. What a, certainly one of our favorite tours. Oh, man. Yes. We, yes. We, we arrived in 1999. And, and now, as we know, because we've discussed this before, you have said they recorded select shows in select cities. So while someone, say me, would have thought that by 1999 or 2000, they would have been recording a lot more that was actually not the case. So that's going to impact our discussion here because, and, and they've released some excellent shows from the reunion tour. There's so many they could release. Now there's one show missing 
that is widely regarded as one of the best shows of the reunion era. You and I were both there. That's May 2000 in Hartford. That would be an automatic release. The only question is, do they have it? And they do not have it. I'm going to let me let me just burst some bubbles right there. They don't have it. Don't have Hartford. Don't have Atlanta. They don't have Atlanta. They don't have Atlanta. So, um, you know, those are two significant shows from our point of view. But they just they didn't have the, the truck or the equipment at those two shows. Well, I don't think by then they needed a truck. I, I'm going to guess they were doing some kind of recording at the board. Now, uh, well, as we as we discussed with the 925 show, I, I'm guessing they just didn't set it up regularly because, as we know, Serling has said they didn't record the 924 show. And, <laughs> and it seems like how would that show not have been recorded? But it wasn't. No. Yeah, that's that, that's a mystery to me that they had that they, they taped the 25th. Probably taped the 20th and 21st as well in Philly, but but not the one in between, uh, which was cr- across the parking lot at, at the Spectrum. And it's you know still surprising to me they, they they didn't set set the equipment up in Hartford, but that's that's the way the, the that's the way the cookie crumbles. So <laughs> I guess what, what's the hope here? Obviously, we just got 627, which you and I both thought was a spectacular show when we saw it. We enjoyed it as an archive release. I, I would think they'll probably go back to 1999. Now, it, it is noticeable that they have not released anything from the Meadowlands in 1999. They also have not released anything from Europe. I think there's a common perception, which is accurate, I would say, that the European shows weren't really up to the same level as the tour would eventually obtain. Well, I think we both agree that that was, a, I mean, I don't want to call them a warm-up for the, for the U.S., but... It was it was a place for them to get their road legs back before they hit, uh, especially New Jersey. So and so I don't. I mean, I would even be surprised if they recorded any of those. You mean in Europe? In Europe, yes. That's possible. But what about uh, what about the Meadowlands? Oh, I'm, you can bet they have the Meadowlands. I mean, it's, I would I would love for them to release all fifteen <laughs> and just say, "Here's one big box." That that's a box I would be lining up for to buy in two seconds. Well, the thing is, and that would be a huge moneymaker, I would think, for them. That a, a set of the fifteen nights at the Meadowlands. Now, we don't know for sure if they recorded ten shows, all ten shows at the Garden. But could you imagine if they put together a massive box of <laughs> the twenty-five shows in the New York area? That would be tremendous. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, take my money, please. Uh, I mean, the the the, the Garden stand in two thousand. I mean, six twenty-seven would would have been my next pick, and. 622 would would be a great pick. 620, 612. I mean, the opening night when they had the nerves from the from the whole American Skin thing going on, and then the debut of Code of Silence. Not to mention Roll the Dice and that and the Dancing in the Dark. So it's like every show would has something that that warrants release. The thing that always strikes me from your info that it was select shows in select cities, you can't even draw the conclusion, say, the third night at Staples, 1021, that would be a, a, a pretty good archive release. But it, it doesn't seem like we can conclude that they recorded the entire stand because of the information that you had that it was select shows in select cities, which is very specific. Well, yeah, I mean, but I would go on the premise that if they recorded the 23rd in the same building, they have the 21st. I mean, call that, me nuts there. 
It's I mean it's not like they they went to the to the sports arena for one show and then back to the Staples. Right, that's true. That's which is what which is what they did in Philadelphia. I boy, there, there must be some people who really regret that they weren't recording on nine twenty four ninety nine. Uh, yeah, and that's another one, just like the Basie 93 show, where the audience recordings just are not, are, you know, I mean, they're they're good. I don't want to say they're crap, but certainly they're not on the level of some other tapes from, from that fall and summer. Oh, it's just it's too bad. <laughs> but at, as I said to someone, unless we've got a DeLorean and we go back in time, <laughs> we can't fix this problem. And no. we just got we got to live with it. And uh, they have to live with it. And, and they are putting out phenomenal releases. It's just that some of these shows that it, the thing is, in the more present day, what it is, is a lot of the fans live through these shows. So something like yeah. Hartford, May 2000. A lot of people were at that show that we know and on the Internet and, and in all these places. And, and it was a truly phenomenal night. And people want that show to be released. But now we know it's it, that is not destined to happen. No. And so that the wireless recording that came out a few years ago is going to be what we need or what all we're going to all we're going to get from that. All right. Well. Hopefully they have some other shows from 2000. It'd be interesting. To, it just the the thing is, especially as we've said before, by 2000 Pearl Jam was re- releasing every show through Bruce's label, Sony Music, and it, it just seems incredible that they wouldn't have started rolling more tape. Yeah. It just in case that they needed it at some point. I we do we. I, I'm going to assume they have more garden shows. And the great thing about the garden is like we were talking about last week uh, with some of the stands from earlier years, as amazing as those shows were, there's not a lot of change from night to night necessarily. So like from the tower stand in 1975, we're talking about one or two songs. The thing about the garden at least is whatever shows they draw from those shows were were even though there were a lot of the same songs contained, they had a different feel. Like if yeah. they released June 26th next, in comparison to the 27th, and I remember those shows very vividly, and the 26th is also worthy of release, it would feel a lot different. Well, as as I wrote for in my review of the 27th for, for Backstreet's this week, the, the reunion, reunion tour had the most number of every-nighters. I think there were basically 10. Yes. That does even and ten, that, if you include Murder Inc., which wasn't played at the first rehearsal show, but that was not an official tour show. Right, and well, there's also the, that doesn't include Out in the Street either, which wasn't an every nighter until early August. But it was kind of, but it was it was an every nighter from that point on. Mm-hmm. And then there were actually 13 songs done every night at the Garden. And but the thing is, was when there were spots that he could do other stuff, he did other stuff. Like the first of the first five songs, every night at the garden, two hearts was every night, and then code of silence or a thin line. But the other three songs, a combination of prove it and ties and Atlantic City, it's several more and that I just been blanking on right now, of course. And and then the post Tenth Avenue wildcard slot that seemed to be different almost every single night. So. He, for for a stand for a tour that had so many every nighters, he really mixed things up at that point. Yeah, I I think everyone knows our feelings on the reunion tour, and and certainly except for maybe August of two thousand and eight, I think it's the high point of 
the reunion era for Bruce and E Street Band. That those last couple of months were mm-hmm. off the charts great, and they were just it, there. There was an energy in their performances, and, and look, uh, of course, they were much younger than they are <laughs> now, or they were in 2016. But it was it was just a fantastic time, and and I think a lot of people feel that way, and and. Whatever show they choose to release next, they they did hit on a good one here, 627. We probably won't get another one for, what would you say, at least another, 10 or 12? Year. Yeah, another another year. <laughs> so whatever they pick next, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I me personally, I hope they, they find their way to the Meadowlands, assuming they have them. Yes. Yeah, I think that would, that would be a safe guess. Moving on from the reunion tour, after that, there were the Christmas shows, which we did just discuss in an episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the one thing I'll say here, and I think you'll concur, they definitely should release a Christmas show. 12701, as we mentioned, <laughs> would be a, 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 a real solid choice, either of the shows from 2000. Yeah. There's not much more to say about it. You know, if, if, if people want to hear more about the Christmas shows, I'd say check out that episode. Well, just in terms of talking about the archival potential of these it's kind of it has been a surprise that these haven't come out yet i mean i kept i kept expecting it every december basically since you know since (laughs) since 2014 uh but you know i don't for whatever reason they haven't whether it's because it'll be too much of a headache to get everybody to sign off on it or just the fact that we that they gave it to sirius all those years ago and then it got out to the fans maybe it's just they don't consider it worth a worth a release but there are some of my favorite favorite recordings from from that era. And now after that, we move on <laughs> to the Rising Tour. Uh, now, in, 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 in full disclosure, this is actually the second time we're going to record this. <laughs> Ironically, we had technical difficulties while recording the Rising Tour portion of this show. And that is very appropriate, I have to say. Because, as we know, the Rising Tour is afflicted with a major technical problem. And yes. I believe you have an update on that. Well, first I want to say, but, uh, you know, we're just a couple of podcasters. They had a multi-million dollar operation going on worldwide for... Yes, a tour that grossed hundreds of millions of dollars. 14 months. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the update is there is no update. It just sounds like these things are just lost. And they don't seem to have, at least from what I'm what I what I'm gathering, is that they don't have they don't seem to want to put much resources into it. Uh, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> I, I I can't understand it. Now, when you say they don't want to put much resources into it, it, it they obviously extracted Helsinki. Right. I don't know what process they used to do it, but you would think that from there you would think you, you would you were able to get to at least unlocking some of the other shows you would think yes and it's 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 a mystery and it's frustrating as hell um i mean they really they really screwed up on this one um you know i bruce just got a several multi-million dollar checks from from apple spotify and jeep so bruce why don't you take you know take a million or two from those big checks and put it let's put it towards getting these getting these recordings sorted out here you know i don't know if if it's an equipment issue or if it's a if it's a manpower issue, but this surely it can get solved. <laughs> it's just it's embarrassing that it can't. This is and and I understand both sides because of course Bruce is not going to spend two million dollars fixing a tour 
that they're going to not make huge money on. Well, uh, isn't it? But hold but on. It, as knew, a legacy thing, how right. can this be? <laughs> right. I'd say that's what I was going to say. I was like, I know I understand the business, the business logic about, you know, how, how much money would they actually get out of it. But at the same time, this is this was the first E Street tour with a new album, with a new E Street album in, in 18 years. And to just basically have it now lost, you know, either to the dustbin of history or just letting the bootleggers do it all is just that's just an embarrassment. So I just want to clarify. Basically, you are saying we should have zero expectation that there's going to be a rising show soon. Yep. Zero. OK, I, I would like to be pleasantly surprised, but I that's not the that's not the gist that's been that I've heard. I don't even know. How do we even talk about this tour? I mean, we can mention the shows that we think should be released. But the bottom line is, at this point, the single out Atlantic City or Shea or whichever show it is we're going to talk about. It, it, I, Pointless. I, I, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, obviously, I just named the shows. I mean, if they're working on this, the, the ones that they should be focusing on would be, I would say, shows from late 2000 when they were really cooking and focusing on the record. Me 2002. 2002, I'm sorry, and Atlantic City from March of 2003, and obviously there were amazing shows in the fall of 2003. Some of those were less focused on on the record, and, and certainly we would want shows from earlier in the tour that were very rising-centric, but I, I, yeah, I just don't know what to say at this point. It, it really is strange to me that this can't seem to be figured out now. And again, I, I understand the business considerations and they are probably sitting there going, well, we're not going to put $5 million into fixing these tapes. I didn't or, say 5 million. I just said I, one or two. <laughs> no, I know you said, didn't say five. I'm just saying whatever inflated number we can come up with. Right. Uh, but they really do need to try and solve this. The fact that this is a record that followed nine 11. I mean, I don't have to tell anyone that this is an important period of American history and, and, and Bruce weighed in on that and, and the shows weighed in on that. And we, we, we need these shows to be released. Now, I guess that Barcelona, which actually was released on DVD and is a much criticized mix. Obviously. Yeah. To go change that, and, and, and remix it, I assume they need access to the original stems, which would likely be afflicted with the same problem. I, I don't know. I, I would like to think that they would, those would have been somewhat manipulated at, uh, after, after the recording process uh, and that they would be in somebody's sandbox, you know, that, that they, that they played with. But, you know, there's also Finway that was basically completed as well and that they could, do the same thing with that one but apparently that's you know at least at least as of yet it's they haven't they haven't and see just, i i would guess that they don't have those someone did a mix 18 what was it 18 years ago in barcelona <laughs> it, yeah know, it was released what, in 2003 i think yeah so i mean the chance that that original mix and they would still if they've got the mix down as you know that won't solve the problem. They actually need the original files. I, mm -hmm. It's just very frustrating and, and, and very disappointing to hear that this may be the case, that we should not be holding our breaths for breath for another rising show. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now it's, but as, as you were saying about needing a show that focused on the, the rising material, it is fortunate that Helsinki, the Helsinki release, 
does have your missing and it does have worlds apart um i mean i know worlds apart is not in people's top 10 but that was a staple of, of the show for for, the, for almost a year um and also so i think the only one that's the only real rising song not represented is counting on a miracle what about the fuse well, the fuse wasn't done every single night. I mean, it was the, the first couple weeks, but then it kind of rotated in and out. The fuse is an important one, though. I, I, you know, if they came to me and asked, I would be like, it, up from the shows in 2002, definitely try and pick one with the fuse and with Counting on a Miracle and, and all the other songs you're mentioning. But well, 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 uh, well, Counting on a Miracle was done a hell of a lot more than the fuse. Yes. Although I would say the fuse was much better, but that's just my opinion. Well, it's your opinion, but I'm just saying by setless statistics, uh, the fuse wasn't an every nighter, which whereas Miracle nearly was. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say about this. We're just going to have to hope that something happens and they can unlock this problem. And when well, they this, do, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly comment very happily on it. Oh, yeah. When this is another situation where if they have even if they have like a two-track soundboard uh i always i always think back to the the dublin 93 recording which is which is about two hours of the second of the second set non-cores where joe ely was there if they had something that sounded like that it probably wouldn't it wouldn't take all very long to get it basically into release quality so if they even if they had that as a backup, I would be totally in favor of that. Very excited to hear it. That strikes me, even though it goes against my comment about the fuse. I wasn't at the show. I believe you were there. The the 2002 show from the fall probably releases October 6th from Philadelphia. I remember listening to that. That was that was a hell of a show, right? That was a wild show. Yeah. And um, I also thought Columbia, South Carolina was a phenomenal show. Um, I mean, but there are, whole, there are a whole bunch of them. We can just go on and on and on like <laughs> like that. Well, I guess we'll just have to file this under beggars, can't be choosers, and anything that they can unlock. Let's just get out there. Yeah, let's just get it out there. Now, after the Rising Tour, we had the Vote for Change Tour, and, and there are a couple of shows there that I feel strongly, if possible, should be released. But these shows also may be afflicted by the same problem. It was only a year later. It, it stands to figure that perhaps they were using the same tech, and also it seems glaring that none of the Vote for Change shows have been released yet. Well, I, I don't know if the same problem uh, affects Vote for Change as well. I just know that it might be more of a headache to get everybody to, to sign off. It's it's one thing to, to get Bruce's Bruce's people to get like Southside and and, and uh, the Max Weinberg Seven to sign off. It's another thing to get you know, members of REM and and Eddie Vedder. So just well, it just just might be a bigger headache for 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 Bruce's perhaps, legal team on these. Perhaps, but it seems like it can be handled. And and I'm also thinking of St. Paul, which neither of us were at, but had that incredible Neil Young performance uh, where he gets it with the band. Yeah, that souls it at the party. That was that was something else. As you said, I we weren't there, but the recording is pretty damn good, and you can really feel it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I hope that they have those shows as well, but I, I guess we're only going to find out in time. And and. There's just there's going to be a big gap here. I mean, it, basically, if they don't have 2003 and they don't have 2004, it's going to leave a gap. And, and, and I, it's just, as we say, very frustrating. But very at least we can move on to a tour now where we do know that they have everything. And that's the Devils and Dust Tour in 2005. 
Yes, they they have been very open to say that every every show since mid the mid aughts, whatever you want to call those, uh, has been recorded. So uh, we can safely assume that just about anything from Devils and Dust on is on the table. So where do you think they'll go next on Devils and Dust? The last one was uh, from Sweden, correct? Yes. yes. And that was a very good show. Yes, that was actually it's one of my favorites. That walk like a man. I mean, every time that you know he shifts pianos, piano to or from the electric keyboard to the piano is just, I mean, it's spine tingling every time. Even I've heard it thirty, you know, thirty times or more at this point, and every time it still gets me. Um, well, we have to think that a show with real world would would be would be would be next. Uh, it's to me that's that's the biggest omission from the from the releases from two thousand five up to this point. And then, but in looking at some of the shows, I would kind of zero in on, on on Philly from from May, the May seventeenth show, because not only do you get real world, but you get that amazing Iceman, the only piano performance of Iceman ever, and he segues it in just as I said, beautifully into incident. Yeah, and I, I feel very strongly. I mean, of course, the Tower is a theater. We had two shows out here in Los Angeles at the Pantages. The theater shows really did feel different. And and I remember sitting in that Pantages theater both of those nights. And it was really a precursor to, to Broadway, in a sense, because that was what it felt like. And even though the shows were wonderful in the arenas, whether it was the half arenas earlier in the year, and then he went to pretty much full arenas later in the year, there's just something about being in a theater. So early in the tour, we had those theaters, whether it's the Tower, whether it's the Pantages. And I do think that they should really pick one of those at some point to capture the very early tour feel. Yeah, and th- those rooms definitely had a, as you said, a, di- a different feel to it, and it's much more, much more intimate than than the modified arena of of say the Meadowlands, and from that year. That was and the one that that was the show that had the yelling episode with the <laughs> people yelling because one of the speakers went out and Bruce had a little chip on his shoulder. So that was always that was that was a fun fun time. <laughs> And this tour, since they have everything, they they really have an embarrassment of riches. It's funny. It's the exact opposite of The Rising. They have so many great shows to choose from here. They've already picked one from Europe, but there are several other shows in Europe that would be extremely worthy of release. Oh, totally. I would love to see the Paris show released. It's another one that has real world, but it also has Cadillac Ranch and, and Better Days. Always a favorite of ours. Yeah, I like the show from Italy. Oh, it was uh, Rome, where he opens with "I'm on Fire" on the banjo, uh-huh. dedicated to uh, to uh, uh, I have to get his name right, Ennio Morricone. Right. I yeah, hope that, I got that right. Yeah, that is a that is a beautiful version. That's a, that you're right. That that Italian stretch was I mean, phenomenal, as you said. We that they can choose just about any show from Europe that year and. It, it would be an excellent, excellent choice. And, and then, of course, in the fall, you've got, and they already released the tour finale, but there's numerous other shows from the fall that would be worthy of release. Uh, we're uh, just taking a guess. Uh, I, I think that they'll go back to early 2005 for the next release here. Probably it, the Tower's a good bet, uh, maybe one of the Pantages, but I, I do think that that's probably the er- the area they'll look at. Yeah, I mean, there were some great shows. You would mention the fall, but I think that stretch in, in August, late late July, early August, where they've already released Grand Rapids and, and Columbus, Ohio. But 
even the shows around there, especially the one in St. Louis with County Fair, you know, there's, oh, it's almost like you can throw a dart at, at any, at the entire, at the tour itinerary and you'll get a good choice. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is a tough one for them because they really, if in fact that they do have everything and we believe that's the case based on your info, as I said, it's an embarrassment of riches. Oh, uh, totally. And that's the kind of thing where I wish they they would do, uh, do it some kind of compilation. But I also understand that, you know, they pull, they can't just pull one song. They have to basically pull all the, pull the entire show just to get just to get each song and so it would be kind of unwieldy after a certain point yeah and then coming after that was the seeker <laughs> sessions tour no we just nice got and we got we got the london <laughs> they, they released the london and, and and we know why in part that was released because of the long walk home and, and very relevant at the time where do you think they're going to go next on the Seeger tour? I would expect there's not going to be one for a, for a little while now. <laughs> well, well, how long? It, so it was. Uh, so New Orleans was released in what November or December of 2017, and then we got London, August of 2020. So another we have another two and a half years to go. Um, but, you know, for that one, I really think that between the official Dublin release and the two already in the release in the series, they've done a great job of covering just most of the key songs, if not all. I, and as a matter of fact, just going by set list here, I really haven't listened to to many Seeger shows uh, recently. Actually, it's been a long time since I've listened to a non-Nugs release of the Seeger show. But the one from Rome, not going back to Rome there where they have a, a twofer of All the Way Home and Long Black Veil. To me, the, that's that's Bruce doing, obviously, the rockin' version of All the Way Home with a band. And then the Long Black Veil that they did on that tour, they didn't do it enough, and it was it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I will say this. If they want a purchase from me, probably Long Black Veil is the only thing that's going <laughs> to get it at this point. Because, yes, that is the one omission from the tour that I would like to hear. Yeah. Now, I mean, the last night at the in, in Jersey at the PNC Bank Art Center in, in late June, that would that would work well, too. But there was but, but to me, all the way home kind of gives it an edge. Yeah, it's really hard for me to weigh in on these shows, in all honesty. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just, I, I don't know what else to say. I, you know, I think everyone knows this is not one of my favorite tours. In fact, it is obviously clearly my least favorite tour. So, uh, Well, see, that's why I went with All the Way Home, because it's one of the yeah. Bruce originals. Yeah, and, 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 and even that wouldn't really move me this much, that much at this point, I have to say. so. Well, it'll be two, two bands... Two band performances from of Devils and Dust material in one show is, would be pretty sweet. Okay, well, we won't have that problem with me on the next tour because the Magic Tour, if they could release every night of the Magic Tour, <laughs> I'd be all in on that because the yes. Magic Tour was and and interestingly here and, and everyone knew what the shows were here. The St. Louis, which was the first show they released. The second night of Boston, which was Danny's final show, I think everyone would have bet and uh, that those were going to be the first two shows released. They did a great job there. And and even since, they, they've done an excellent job of picking the Magic Tour shows. If, in fact, they do have everything here, again, a, a huge embarrassment of riches. Where do we think they'll go next year? Well, see, the, the last releases have been from see, Greensboro in April of 2008. Um, and then Tampa, the first show after Danny passed away, right. that was also in 2008. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking they're going back to 2007 and the show that I would 
that I'm focusing in on is the Veterans Day show in Washington, D.C. And no, it's not just because I was there, <laughs> but because it has the great it has I'll work for your love, which I know has been released on Buffalo from 2009. But this would make a but to get it from this tour would be a little bit of a bonus and Tunnel of Love. Uh, again, not a song that's gotten a lot of love over the last 20 years, but he did it a few times in, in 2007 and 2008. And, you know, that a show with that would would be would be cool. Yeah, that's a good song pairing that show also had growing up. I know, and I was not there, the second night at the Garden was a particularly hot show in 2007. It was. Uh, meeting, meeting into Jungle Land is, is always nice to have. Um, and tougher than the rest at that show as well. Again, there's a lot of, lot of possibilities there. Yeah, many, many possibilities. And one of the things that happened on this tour was there were really very distinct sections. You had the 2007 portion where it was a very, very tight focus set, especially on the record itself. Then you got to 2008. And, and of course, by then, Charlie had replaced Danny. And in 2008, as we got into April, Bruce was doing very loose shows where the, the sets were mixed up and he, he did a California run. That was really great. And, and then, unfortunately, of course, Danny passed away and, and the show changed again, dealing with that emotional experience. And we hear that in the Tampa release that's already been put out. So to me, they haven't really focused on that early April period yet at all. You're right. There was a huge stretch of, of shows where I think he opened with was it how many 14 or 15 different shows in a row with a different opener? And so that was definitely indicative of what, of how he was approaching the set at that point. And there are some strong choices, you know, very, as always strong choices. Uh, I would love to see the one with none but the brave release, but that's me. The first night of Anaheim, which of course they've already drawn on for the magic tour highlights EP that, of course, is the night that Morello first joined the band for Jode, a legendary performance. You know, but that show opened with Light of Day, the one and only time that that song has ever opened the show. And it also included Murder, Inc. and Trapped. It had a real 80s feel, that show, because of all those songs early in the show. And Reason to Believe was played, of course. So uh, that would be a good one. The, uh, again, they have they have a real range of choices here. But what I would personally like to see them do is hit these different sectors of the tour that had very distinct feels. And that's without having even gotten into Europe yet. And there are several strong shows there, especially that that was kind of an evolution between the, I guess the the, the looseness of some of those April shows with the real wildness that came that came in August. Yeah, I mean, the Barcelona shows were tremendous. The Milan show, another another top one. He did two nights in Sweden and in, uh, in Gothenburg, including July Fourth. So all those would be would be strong categories. So it makes your point about just release the whole damn tour and get it over with. It certainly makes sense. Yeah, bring that shit on for sure. <laughs> Of course, I would love to see them release the whole Wrecking Ball tour. So, hey, let's or, go back and release well, everything. We'll, going. we'll get to that one in a moment. And there are <laughs> a lot of worthy shows on, on that tour as well, of course. But uh, so, OK, so let's take our shots here. What do you think the, the next Magic release will be? The next Magic? Um, as, as for a specific show, I'm, I, I really have no idea. But I would love to see something from another show from the fall of 2007, like that Veterans Day show I, I mentioned earlier. 
See, the, the one show we haven't mentioned yet on this show, although we've talked about it before, Nashville would be my top yeah. selection for the next release, just taking aside any of the other considerations. And I know that goes against sort of what I said about the sectors, but that can come later. Nashville was such a high quality show. If, there, if St. Louis hadn't taken place two nights later, Nashville is the show we would have been talking about for the last 13 years. <laughs> or at least you would have anyway. Yeah. Well, a lot of people. I mean, I'm not the only one who talked about St. Louis, that's for sure. Oh, I know. But yeah, that uh, that Nashville set list, top notch again. And with some cool covers, I fought the law. And I was it I walked the line or ring oh, of fire? The, yeah, the I walked the line into yeah. I'm on fire was, was, was really cool. Yeah, he that well, that we you could see that whole week was just just building up with every show. I only saw Richmond that week. Uh, but I could tell that you guys were getting something special that last weekend. And, and it, it gets sort of lost. And I wouldn't say it was like a major thing to see play, but Good Rockin' Tonight in Nashville was played for the first time since October of 1980. It was 2008. That was 28 <laughs> years later. Yeah, they they were they were playing really well. <laughs> and, and that was one of those situations where you had anything was possible. Anything yeah. was possible. I mean, and you, you would have thought he would have opened with it, but no, it's like the sixth song in the set. Yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully they're going to hit a lot of these shows. And as we were saying in the last episode, <laughs> what's going to happen eventually is they're probably going to weigh heavier on these later tours because they're going to run out of stuff from the earlier tours. So, <laughs> And that is, that is true. And I, you know, there's something to be said about releasing a lot more magic and, and wrecking ball shows. Definitely something to be said for that. And following the Magic Tour, there was a brief break. In fact, I, I think we talked about this previously, but that final night in Kansas City, the official closing night of the tour, there was a, there was a huge party uh, with a lot of the traveling fans and stuff, and everyone was already saying, we'll see it next year, and, and knew <laughs> about the Super Bowl. That had been told to people. And, and sure enough, they did come back in early 2009 with the Working on a Dream Tour. Uh, we... we this tour is certainly it's not the magic tour let's nope. let's be fair and they have hit certainly the major nights already from this tour in the releases which would be the wild and the innocent night at the garden the river night at the garden and and the greeting show from buffalo those would have been the shows you expected them to hit it took a little bit longer on the wild and the innocent night because of the technical difficulties where do you think they're going to go next year maybe to europe well to be perfectly blunt i don't think i think that what they need to do is hit the rest of the albums and so and so to that end i, w I would go with uh, the october 14th in philadelphia for, for the darkness album that's a spectrum it's got it's got the history there and it was a it was a tremendous show a very strong strong performance of the album it was inside unlike the giant stadium performance from a week or so earlier and not to mention it had you know human touch always a favorite in long in long walk home and then to finish out the whole, basically the album portion, we let's go with Cleveland, Cleveland from uh, November 10th, which was easily the best version of uh, of Back in Your Arms ever. So, uh, so I, would, I, well, I, it's certainly up there in the top two or three. I don't know if it's the best one. It's the best one in later years, to be sure. It's a, it's a mammoth performance. <laughs> no, nah, it's the best one. Period. I mean, there, it's it is Al. <laughs> it okay. really, go listen to it it's phenomenal uh, it's, it's, it's fabulous i'm not denying that no nah, but okay the, but the, uh, the one thing 
The, yeah, right. So just going back and looking at something. Okay, so the 14th in Philadelphia, and that also has what love can do the one time it was played. Yes, and I don't, the, the mysterious one time only. I, I don't get that one at all. That should have been an every-nighter. Yeah, that, 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 it played very well that one time. And then talking about the Born to Run, yes, they definitely should release a Born to Run complete performance right. while Clarence was alive. I, I feel strongly about that. Uh, but beyond the obvious choices of picking the additional album shows, do we think that they'll hit this tour again at all? I mean, I, I don't know where they would take from the U.S. leg earlier in the year. I mean, maybe the second New Jersey show, but it's really not. It was it was it was one of the best shows of that segment of the tour. But it's nothing, you know. It, 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 for example, it doesn't compare to the six twenty seven show that was released today. Not even. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think they they really hit it good with the, with the May Four show uh, from Nassau Coliseum. That was that was just, just a year ago. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the early stuff was pretty much a hodgepodge. They never really they never really gelled either with the new material or not or but Ann Bruce never really found a, a strong set list. As I think we've talked about that before. So I think going with just completing the albums the album set is is definitely the best the, the best path to take all right that i i think that makes total sense and and so we don't think that saratoga will be released <laughs> no <laughs> that of course is not joke. at all not <laughs> at all i guess i mean maybe maybe one of the the italian shows from july would be a would be a good candidate Did, the one that is there, well, well, well here's a question for a, a, a real question i i don't think there's much chance they would release a show where jay was on drums the whole show you would agree with that uh, right probably not i think that was one of the factors going into the to the may 4 show from 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 nassau coliseum Okay. So and and then certainly Jay, I guess he he stopped playing with them sometime in what uh, October. It was I well I'd have to go back and check specifically, but I think it was right at, right towards the end of September. Okay. All right. I mean that makes sense. That he makes he sense. only had one or two appearances, I believe, after the Saratoga disaster. <laughs> well, I know he played in Greenville, um, which was actually which was kind of a cool show because they did Satisfaction and a really hot arrangement, but. Anyway. Yeah, Jay was on drums. That was September 16th. Right, which was after Saratoga, which was August yeah. 25th. Yeah, yeah. I said, I, I think he, he, he appeared one or two other times after Saratoga. So. Okay. Uh, and then we get to the Wrecking Ball Tour. Well, the Wrecking Ball High Hopes Tour. And these are really the last shows we'll discuss from this perspective, because, of course, starting in 2014, they released everything. Now, there is a question to ask about 2014 before we wrap up. But Wrecking Ball, they've obviously hit this tour very heavily and, and rightfully so, because there are a lot of good shows on this tour as well. And, and, and as you say, it, it, they could release this entire tour. They, well, let's put it this way. They certainly could release all of 2012. Yes. And I would say a good chunk of 2013, too. Well, you do get into, in 2013, you do get into a lot of shows that have bored in the USA in its entirety. So, but uh, you, that's just a bias on my part. <laughs> well, that's just because you got screwed in the rain. And, and was it Munich? It was Munich, yeah. Uh, well, that, yeah. Was, that, was a, that was a crazy, crazy day just because of that weather. The fact that that show took place is really, really something. But I guess... Yeah. Yeah, you weren't expecting was a cold rain in, in July, but you got it. It was actually it was late May. 
Oh, late May. It was late May, and it was about 35 degrees Fahrenheit and like freezing cold, intense rain. It was it was it was a rough one. So, but <laughs> no, that show I expect is not going to be released. And well, I mean, it does have that. It does have Seaside Bar song and. Yeah. I'm trying to look at rocking all over the world. Open with "Who'll Stop the Rain," obviously. Yeah. So you know, again, even though it's a it's it's a show that doesn't stand out, it you know there are some some cool little little set list nuggets. As there were in pretty much all these shows. But, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so okay. So but where do we think they'll they'll go next? The the last show that they released here was what was Saint Paul. St. Paul. Paul, right, okay. November 11th or 12th. Right, and that was also a very solid show, and we talked about at the time, Nebraska, which had a very unique set list, and of course there's Fenway too. Well, the interesting thing here is, to, to state the obvious, as I think we said a couple of weeks ago, the two shows on this tour that are really amongst some of the best performances of the era, uh, Fenway 2, which I was not at, you weren't there either, right? No, I was not. And, and Paris, too, which I was at. The, <laughs> what's so funny? You owe me a dollar now. Every time you mention Paris, you need to pay. You need uh, to give well, me a dollar. We, we, we at the lobby, the, the, the July 5th, 2012 show absolutely 100% needs to be released. It was the best show that I saw in the decade. And they've done a good job of picking from this tour. And the birthday show is great. Of course, Gothenburg, too, is great. But Paris was an arena show, and, and I really do think that that needs to be released. That would be my pick if I was the one putting out the series. But where, but where do we think that they'll go? Obviously, think, they ha- they haven't taken anything from 2013 in a while. Al, I, I, I'm going to answer your question. I think they're going to go with Boston, the second Fenway show. You do? I do. I that's as you said it. It was an it was an amazing show. It, it hit. It's got. I mean, Frankie, and it's got Summertime Blues, and it's got The Who'll Stop the Rain into Rocky Ground. Right. It's just a phenomenal show, basically top to bottom. And it's got that summer opening now. Uh, people we know and whose opinions we respect deeply say that that was the best U.S. stadium show ever. Probably. It, certainly, it was certainly the best European show Bruce ever played in the States. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so and that one should be should be at the top. Uh, well, then, I'm all for that one being released. Okay, and the yeah, the only other time. one, my my number two choice is actually is Cardiff from the night before Leeds. Uh, was that July 23rd of 2013? And it was it was a very strong show. I remember some people who saw both Cardiff and Leeds said Cardiff was a bit better overall, and it would give us it gave us TV movie and Cynthia and Roulette in a row as well as. Eric Burden guesting on We Gotta Get Out of This Place. Yeah, Cardiff is definitely a solid choice. And I'm not sure where else I would go in 2013 if not for Cardiff. Now, he did play some shows in South America that had more basic set lists, but he also did some special stuff down there. And now the, the, the thing that I'm, the song that I'm thinking about, Manifiesto was released officially already. So I don't know if you would need to release an archive show just to get that out there. Yeah, that's they did what five shows down there, four shows. I guess it it would be cool from what from an audience perspective, but unless it was a video release, I'm not. I wouldn't get excited about those. Yeah, um, I mean, they're just just considering how much, how many cool setlist nuggets were that were in other shows early earlier in the tour. 
I would just that would not excite me at all. And, and again, the European tour in 2012 really was a remarkable period. Yes. Remarkable, not just Paris, not just Gothenburg. They did a series of shows. The Hard Rock show with the McCartney ending was in there as well. That certainly could be a potential release. Although if they do release that one, they really should release the next show as, as a pairing with it so that <laughs> they have the pickup of Twist and Shout. Yes, 100%. I agree with you 100% on that. It was Dublin, right? Yes. Hyde Park on July 14th and then Dublin on July 17th. Before we were so rudely interrupted or something. That, like that. that is one of the great openings of any show ever, in, in all honesty. I, yeah. the, the fact that it, he got worldwide publicity and then came out and did that, it, it's just classic. <laughs> well, and, and there's the fact that, I mean, they, they, he started in the middle of the song. Yeah, that that and literally where they were interrupted. I mean, you just said <laughs> before we were so rudely interrupted. We started exactly where they were interrupted. It's it, it, now you could never release that show alone because it wouldn't make any sense. So they do have to release. They really would need to do those two shows as a pair. But they'd be a great pairing. Yeah, any pairing is fine with me. Especially you got I fought the law in in, in Dublin. You got I'm a rocker in there. Um, certainly Hyde Park had take them as they come for, for those of us who are into those tracks. Yeah. As we keep saying, just an embarrassment of riches from these later years. And, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of these shows coming out now, 2013, as I mentioned, marked the last time that we had to rely on bootlegs because then in 2014, uh, when he came back on the high hopes tour, they started releasing the shows. Yes. And that was, we were just tr so excited about that. And well, we were not we, excited about the wristbands, but that's ancient <laughs> history by now. Oh yeah, we want to talk about the wristbands and how that didn't go anywhere because it was just that was just so inane that they fortunately they I don't think that even got I don't I I never even saw the a wristband being sold anywhere. No, do you? No. So but, yeah, it, it didn't get very far, and and then of course then the then they finally came out the first shows came out and the mixes were they were they were not they didn't blow us away. To say to, to 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 be to be nice at this point, right? So, and that's the question now, especially since the second Mohegan show was pulled and never came back for some mysterious reason. You and I have guessed in the past that that it's because of the performance issues that occurred later in the show. Bruce really did run out of steam there, and he, um, and he, he hit, appeared to be he injured. Had, he hit a major wall. Yeah, he, so, you, can, you can almost see it. <laughs> so, but is there? These shows are, as you as you say, much lesser mixes than, say, the Outshiller mixes. Do we think there's any chance that they may pick one or two of those shows, whether it's it's from South Africa or one of the great, well, because there were great, great shows in Australia in 2014. I was going to say, I think 2014 gets gets too often overlooked when it comes to uh, great shows over the last, you know, even just the last decade. So I, what's your... I certainly thought we, you know, we were in Albany. I thought that was a great show. Albany uh, was a really good show. Brisbane, Australia, uh, Hunter Valley, Australia. Yeah, there were. I mean, even the Mo the first Mohican Sun was uh, a little bit off, but he's, it still was still was a contender. So, and what's your sense? Is there any chance that you one know, or I, two I, of those shows may be picked to be remixed and remastered so that they have mixes that are more in keeping with what we're used to now? I have no idea. Uh, that's something I've, I've never inquired about. In some ways, um, see, I don't. I would prefer them not release, say, one or one or two or, or three 
2014 shows instead of another totally fresh addition to the archive series. Right. It would have to be some kind of some kind of bonus for me to be excited about it. Okay. Um, well, you know, I mean, we I bought all those shows. I actually the mixes got better. I, you know, I may put to, put together a compilation for myself and and certainly and really enjoy listening to that because just because of the wealth of material he was doing. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't want to have him replace another show with stuff with re-releases. I figured I'd ask a question, and that makes total sense. And and now we come to present day, and fortunately, Bruce will probably never play another show again where there's no <laughs> official release. So moving forward, this conversation it ceases to exist because everything will be out, and that it's a wonderful thing. Bruce was a little late getting on that bandwagon. He should have he should have been done it doing it from the Magic Tour, if not even the Rising Tour. Uh, as I as I said in our one of the early shows episodes we did, that Sony actually approached Bruce about releasing all ten giant stadium shows from the summer of '03, and he and he declined declined to pursue that. And now now look at it, they're never never to be retrieved again. So, right. but at least he finally got on it in '14. There's some bumps along the way, but I think. Things really worked out on the last tour. All right. We've got to move on from this rising tour issue because you're just bumming people out now, including <laughs> me. I know. Could you imagine that August 31st performance of, of Lucky Town and, and mixed to perfection? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Uh, how about the Knights at Shea? But anyway, again, <laughs> we got we got to get off this. It's just there's no point in torturing ourselves and, and everyone out there. It, it, if some miracle occurs and, we're, and we, we get one of those shows, we'll cover it when it comes out. And, and for now, we were looking at the future of the archive series. It doesn't seem like the Rising Tour has much of a future. So with that, we, we, we will bring the show to a close and, and focus on all the wonderful releases they are putting out and, and, and the days ahead when there will be even more you know, from these other tours. Yes, uh, first Friday or in this in this month, second Friday is always the best day of the month for me. I know it doesn't say much, but uh, especially well, especially during the pandemic. But but yeah, looking forward to every show and giving giving each each show a a, a listen. I'm I'm hearing it fresh for the first time. Yeah, it was a real charge putting that show on from the garden. It, yes. it really was. So yes, I'll be blasting it in my car all weekend, and I mean, I'll get, I'll, maybe I'll get Claudine to be sick of it by the time this month is over. <laughs> but she was there too, so maybe she might she might not be sick of it. She was there. She was sitting right with us. So yes, yes, and, she was. All right, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We don't know what the topic is yet, but if you follow us on Twitter, we'll let you know when we figure it out. And <laughs> until then, I'll, I'll just wrap it up. None but the bravest presentation of bull market entertainment. Please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. As I just mentioned, you can interact with us on Twitter at NBTB Podcast. Our website is nonebutthebravepodcast.com. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McClain saying thank you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. 
We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 